0: Previously on Gonzo.
1: The other day, I was going down to my girlfriend. I said to her, Knock, knock. Stick around. Bunch of slap-jawed faggots around here. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me.
0: Billy, you know something. What is it?
1: I'm scared, Pacho. I don't get who you are back in the world. You give up on this one one more time. I'll bleed you. Real quiet. Leave here. Got that?
0: Digital Gonzo, episode 48, dated November 24th, 2011. Predator 2.
1: Los Angeles, 1997. It's the hottest summer on record. Pollution is choking the city. The gangs control the streets. It has not been a nice day! As bad as things
0: are, they're about to get worse.
1: Much worse. You don't know what you're dealing with world life forms drawn by heat and conflict he's on safari lions tigers the bears
0: oh my danny glover gary Busey, ruben blades maria conchita alonso bill paxton predator 2 he's in town with a few days to kill Now, Neil, you've expressed repeatedly that Predator 2 is your favourite of this series, so you have the floor to wax as lyrical as you like as to why. In just a bit, after I give a few facts. Okie (laughs) dokie. This was made three years after the original. Dutch was initially supposed to return, uh, but Schwarzenegger decided to opt for a sequel to another of his 1980s sci fi adventures. You may have heard of it. Anyone? Terminator 2? (laughs) Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Good choice, honey instead his character was worked around and became gary Busey's agent keys now i would have loved to have been in the room the day they couldn't get arnie but some guy came running in excitedly telling the group that instead they managed to get the guy from lethal weapon mel gibson uh who the the other one you want to mean the one who's too old for this shit They also managed to score Lethal Weapon's henchman Mr. Joshua, Gary Busey, in some sort of two-for-one deal. This was directed by Stephen Hopkins, the illustrious director of Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. And he went on to film Blown Away, The Ghost in the Darkness, Lost in Space, Half of the First Series of 24, and The Reaping.
2: Okay, so there is some good movies in there.
0: Yes. I actually quite like The Ghost in the Darkness. It was about Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas defending themselves against lions in Africa.
2: Or as I heard it put the best way, Jaws with Paws.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
0: a forgotten movie, that. No one ever talks about The Ghost in the Darkness. I've got it. It's
2: okay. excellent.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, similarly The Relic has anyone ever seen The Relic
2: yes yes quite good it's a monster movie of course in fact let me have a look I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street 5 Predator 2 (laughs) Judgment Night Blown Away Ghost in the Darkness Lost in Space Uh, you're a
0: relative Stephen Hopkins fanboy
2: (laughs) I've seen most of those to be fair and you
0: you do like a bit of 24 don't you
2: I do not as much as Mr. Bachelor but yes I do like 24 okay
0: and uh, just before you do your thing, just to set the scene, this film takes off in the far-off future world of 1997, when Los Angeles is being torn apart by gang warfare. Interestingly enough, two years after this film was made, tensions between the police and local gangs erupted into real-life riots in L.A.
2: Which is one of the reasons for the setting of this movie, uh, because at the time tensions were incredibly high.
0: Yeah, they were getting high. that way already, so uh, yeah, it was a pretty grim place to be in the early 90s. Okay, right. Uh, Neil, go for, your, go for your life. Why t- Tell us, uh, it's not so much to convince us, but uh, tell the world why Predator 2 is actually really, really good.
2: This is the reason why I stand up for Predator 2 a lot. I think Predator 2 suffers the same problem that Halloween 3 has. Now, Halloween 3... Would that be Season of the Witch? Season of the Witch, which is...
0: Not to be confused with Season of the Witch, which came out last year.
2: Oh, God, yes, it gets confusing. But Halloween 3... People want it, we well, were expecting one thing and got something else. And this is pretty much what happened with Predator. You know, people love Predator. Don't get me wrong, I love Predator 1. But, and of course, obviously, they wanted to see one I should imagine a lot of people wanted to see it take place instead of in the jungles. They wanted to, you know, the natural progression is take it to a city. All makes good sense. Where I think people don't like it is the fact that obviously you swap Arnie for Danny Glover. And it is a big change. Right. A, absolutely huge change. But I really like this world that they set up in this yes it's an la that has gone to shit it really has the gangs are pretty much running the shot the police are underpowered and undermanned and just again much oh, like Robotop,
0: actually I'm just <laughs> we mentioned
2: that one yeah hence why this film is so high in my dark futures list hmm. but um you know the dark
0: future of 1997
2: <laughs> well, for the time it was oh god
0: imagine it! i'll be 17 what'll it be like
2: I, I should imagine if you were in LA at the time, this this movie was made. The tensions this was probably quite believable.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. With the exception of you know the the alien going around killing off drug dealers, no is that,
0: but yeah. Apart from that, it's a documentary.
2: But, you know, I, I mean, this was the first Predator movie I ever saw. And this has got some of the... This has got almost as many memorable moments in it as the first one. You know, we talked about the gunfire scene and things like that. Well, this has got the Predator, you know, and the lightning holding up the severed skull. It's got the whole warehouse scene and the demise of Gary Busey. Mm. which is pretty excellent.
0: Uh, uh, interjection is not a severed skull. It's not been severed from the spinal column, in fact, very significantly. It's one of those spinal column moments. It's
2: the spinal it's column. severed right? from the
0: body, yeah. With lightning, which just makes it cool. <laughs> yeah, lightning just means cool. Oh, do you remember the trailer? It went, uh, I'll see if I can track it down, but it went, he's in town with a few days, days to clear. kill... <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, you know, I, I, like I said, this is the first, and another memorable moment, and this is one that a lot of people remember is him dropping into the alley, into the puddles, oh, yeah. and slowly walking, and the cloak. Well, um, slowly stamping
0: towards King Willie, like just you're like, hey, King Willie, it's me, the predator. And I, I don't know why he's Mario,
2: <laughs> <laughs> some twisted form of Mario. People remember King Willie as well. It, it makes me laugh how people want to hate on this movie, yet you remember so much of it. And this also introduces a lot of the, the, a change up in the weapons. You've got the spear, mm-hmm. you've got the—I want to say discus, but I suppose that's not right. Crawl,
0: flying disc. Oh, it's not crawl, but <laughs> <laughs> the aerobee, the novelty flying disc.
2: Yes, uh, you know it's, uh, which all comes into pr- pr- yeah. uh, play in the warehouse scene, mm-hmm. which again is probably the house. Oh, hang on, what's the word? Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse. Which it- literal <laughs> slaughterhouse. Aptly named, thank you. But uh, there's also a lot more, a lot more, I admit this is a lot more set piecey. Um, you know, you have uh, where the, they find the bodies at the beginning of the movie and can't quite figure out what's going on. You've got the train sequence as well, the subway train sequence. Which yep. really good.
0: I've got uh, something on that in a bit, but yeah.
2: You've got the, the slaughterhouse and you also have, and this is what most people remember this movie for, the end, when you see the trophy cabinet.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, if you the you you mentioned something in uh, the last Predator show, Matt uh, about the Trevor cabin, I had to cut it out because when I went back and looked in the film, I couldn't see it. But you're just going to have to go ahead and, and give me that rumor again.
2: Uh, yeah, it is rumored now, <laughs> Alex. You say you looked and you, you didn't Good see it. it. Um, I think I've yeah. seen it in a behind-the-scenes thing. They point to it they do point to it. in there you do clearly everyone sees the pre- the the alien skull which of course sparked the rumors for avp if only we had known mm. if only but also in there somewhere is meant to be a terminator skull
0: which implies that the predators go to the future and kill terminators
2: you think it's just more the fact that, you know, special effects, same special effects house. Sam as you We know, yeah. <laughs> had a
1: skull lying around, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we had a skull. Stick it in there. No one will notice. Hmm. What about the alien one? Mm, well, they'll just want a sequel. <laughs> Again, I say, if only we had known.
0: Yes. I'll <laughs> uh, Anything more on why Predator 2 is, in fact, great?
2: Um, I like the characters more in this. Uh, they actually have characters, for a oh, start. Well.
0: Okay, know, right, that's debatable. Now, what, explain how
2: they have character. All right, so in the first movie, we pretty much have the standard army ma- uh, army guys with mm. little uh, little characterization. whereas, like, for example, with Danny Glover, you've got that, that lieutenant that's just f- almost falling apart. This this thing has stretched into the limits, and he doesn't know whether or not he can handle it. Mm. You've got the new guy, uh, played by... Um, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Bill Paxton, the cocky guy. Jerry, yeah who you know thinks he's all that and then someone finds out not when it comes to predators he isn't Mm. you have uh, obviously uh, a a fairly strong female lead as well (sighs) fairly strong I'm not putting her up there with Ripley don't worry yep but to be fair, you compare this movie's female character to Predator's female character, and she's better. You just want to. It's just because you don't like this movie. That's why I'm getting all this. I think this also has more kind of moments, with, especially with the the. We get a lot of upside down hanging bodies in this movie. Yes, it gets a usually little bit, without the skin. <laughs> yeah. Gets a little bit carried away in that one, and King Willie is just a. It's a memorable bad guy, even though he's not the main villain of this movie. He's memorable, although. You do feel kind of cheated,
0: in that he, he gets he buys it within two minutes of being on screen.
2: Yeah, he gets off, well, he gets off, but, we but don't he has such a decide. great
0: theatrical moment, this creature is
2: from the other side, the spirit world. He's very voodoo man. You know, you could half half imagine him pulling out voodoo and trying to take it on, but he tries to take the pressure on. And it doesn't go well. I really love this movie. I honestly do. I will watch this one over the first one any day. I really will. Now, whether or not it's just a simple fact, you tend to find that, or I tend to think it is, that the first one you see is the first one you love. Mm. And obviously the first movie I saw was Predator 2, so I absolutely love this. Plus I've got a thing for sort of that uh, late 80s, early 90s, really nihilistic future type movie. So Mm. this is really up my street, you know, with L.A. going to hell. And, you know, it's gone so far to hell, the Predator's turned up to go hunting, Plus, I think you also get a slightly more insight into the Predator in this one as well, especially when it comes to uh, the train sequence and why he doesn't kill Contrell. Matt, your thoughts on Predator 2?
1: Um, I I like it. It's a good film. I I wouldn't say I prefer it to Predator, but again, I saw Predator first, so I think I'd agree with Neil there's a certain amount of preference for the first one that you see. Um, There's some good ideas in it. I think that the, the basic team of characters is slightly less silly than in the first one because in the first one they're supposed to be search and rescue guys what the hell does a search and rescue team need with a minigun it's <laughs> <Just laughs> not very really searchy or indeed rescuey in to case someone's
0: leg is trapped and they need to uh, shoot it uh, well, out suppose. of there <laughs> uh,
1: lateral extremely lateral thinking i suppose um but yeah the the, so the premise is a little bit more believable in, in that respect um I think there's some better ideas in the second film, but they weren't done as well as the ideas were done in the first film. Mm. And uh, there's just a few things about this film that don't quite sit right. The dubbing. I don't know whether it's just the, the, the DVD I've got, but the dubbing is really bad in places. It is time. Particularly yeah. Leona Cantrell's voice is dubbed mm. really oddly. It sounds like someone putting on a, a Hispanic accent dubbing over her lines <laughs> I don't quite know why um, it, it's quite possible that that is what they did uh, or yeah. that
2: they were just she doesn't sound really Hispanic enough
1: This Hispanic woman doesn't sound Hispanic enough get
0: someone yeah. to sound more Hispanic that's as um, she sort of turned over and said alright let's blow this pop stand <laughs> <laughs> Scorpion, 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 Scorpion. With Cantrell, it almost seems like they wanted to get Jeanette Goldstein, uh, who was Vasquez in Alien, so that they could reunite Hudson and and Vasquez, who were quite an amusing team to play off against each other. But uh, Goldstein was actually doing Terminator 2 as well, because she was uh, John Connor's stepmother so maybe they just went for this one instead I, I could be wrong
1: yeah i mean it seemed to be the same sort of incredibly strong female character really sort of gung-ho almost almost masculine woman mm. in a way
0: there's even that same sort of interplay where uh, he, he goes hey she goes hey how are your balls and he goes they're fine how are yours which is pretty much exactly the same as hey Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a man no
1: have you it's it is, it's the same it's the same thing uh mm. it, it, and to be honest, it does work as well. Um, the The relationship between uh, Jerry and Leona is is probably the, the strongest in the entire film. Really, certainly by the end, towards the end, you can tell that, that from a from a frosty start, they have become really good friends. And she's really understood that everything that you see is just a front. Underneath it, well, he is a good guy, and he is really, really good at. He's a really good cop, and and there's a, a lot of respect there at the end. Um, hmm. Yeah, you know, I thought it was probably the, 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 the one of the best, the best bits of the script. To be honest, was was the interplay between them. Are we talking about character growth here? <laughs> we are. We are amazingly. Uh, it's, not, okay. it's, not, it's, not, it's a bit, it's a bit ham-fisted, but it, and again, the dubbing doesn't help, but it's there definitely.
0: You know what? I'm a little bit more convinced than I was when we first started talking from both of you, actually. That there's a little bit more to this film than I I think.
2: will admit, you know, this film would probably have been better in the hands of a better director. He really would have been. Um, maybe because, you know, Stephen Hopkins hasn't got the greatest list of films. And by, no, and by no means has he done bad films. Blown Away is a pretty good film. Ghost in the Darkness is a pretty good film. This he's one
0: not done anything which really set the world on fire. No, he's um, not a Cameron. He's not even a, a McTiernan.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, McTiernan is a very good director, and to step into those shoes is not an easy job. Mm. Especially by this point, what he di- he'd done two movies, and one of them was Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Not the worst, but by no means the best. So it's not an easy job. Maybe in the hands of a different director. Also, do you know who uh, was? Producer on this one, I don't know if he was the producer. Joel on the one. Silver,
0: yeah, he likes kabooms, yes. and he is not renowned for having the smartest movies of all time. He's
2: man and Robin,
0: yeah, he's kind of like Jerry Bruckheimer's slightly less intelligent brother. <laughs> I thought that was Michael Bay. He, he also produced The Matrix, so he has occasionally struck struck it right. So.
2: Yes, okay. probably, there's probably directors that tell him to go away.
0: Yeah, just just go and count the count the Benjamins. We'll tell you when we <laughs> need some cash. Okay, <laughs> it was the Predator's physical actor Kevin Peter Hall's last screen appearance as he died shortly before it was released. Although he did convince several of the L. A. Lakers to appear as the other Predators on the ship with him,
2: which works quite well because when you yeah. see the rest of them, you're like,
0: oh, oh shit. shit. Eagle-eyed sci-fi fans may recognise Key's Man Agent Garber, as... Sir Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin. Better known for his role as Jane Cobb in Firefly and Serenity. He's turned up in a whole bunch of older movies, and you're just like,
2: that's that's Adam Baldwin. Okay. You might actually have to reference Chuck now, because some people may not get the Firefly yeah, yeah. reference.
0: Yeah, he's so,
1: John Casey and Chuck as
0: well. If you don't get the Firefly reference, go watch Firefly, come back, we'll talk later. <laughs> right. There's one scene in Predator 2 roughly akin to the zombie baby moment in the 04 remake of Dawn of the Dead, which Neil James Carter and I discussed in the Kid Dog show a few weeks ago, uh, that, for me, is the jump-the-shark moment. Can you guess which bit I'm talking about?
2: Is it the seeing the baby?
0: Uh, it's, it's the lead-up to that. It's when the Predator, not content with taking out the Colombian cartel, Jamaican yardies and the cops caught in the middle, goes after a train full of civilians. Uh, Now, yes, they are armed, and some of them are crazy, but this is a giant, elongated barrel of fish moving at speed on a rail. It represents no threat to the Predator as he calmly marches through the darkened carriage, dealing out vicious ends to the panicking people. It's a million miles away from the stealthy, crafty, and cautious hunter in the original. There isn't a wisp of warrior culture on display here. This guy is just a thug and a bully. The clear lack of understanding on the scriptwriter's part, apparently, as to who and what this thing is, is ably represented in the moment when Bill Paxton's lone ranger Jerry Lambert stays behind to hold him back and fires repeatedly and fruitlessly at the stalking shape in front of him. But no problem with Jerry staying behind and having a last stand if the fact that he shoots directly at him and hits nothing but air. He's not an agent. That's not how the shift suit works. They bend light, making you invisible, not intangible as was proved in Predators when Nikolai shoots a Predator point-blank and hits him in the shoulder, making him roar. Jerry should have shot him successfully six times in the chest. Also, since they bend light and the creature is enveloped in darkness, there should have at least been flashes of time when you can actually see him. The single nod to a shred of nobility in the creature is when he catches vasquez light, Detective Leona Cantrell and finds out that she's pregnant, sparing her life along with that of the kid with the plastic Uzi 9mm at the graveyard. That is what's so puzzling about the train sequence. It makes no sense for a being who has some respect for innocent life to behave in this manner, a character inconsistency repeated in Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. On a final note, for the unborn fetus to have had a heartbeat that loud, Detective Cantrell would have had to have been at least five months pregnant and already deaf showing. In short, they'd have taken her off that particular beat.
2: I can honestly say I can't actually defend the train sequence. To me, it's always has felt shoehorned in.
0: It's overkill. It's it d- it overkill. does
2: feel shoehorned in uh, it, like you say, it doesn't serve a purpose. It, it it actually sort of contradicts what we already know and have seen from the Predator. And I mm. agree. The only way you could describe it is maybe he isn't just going after the gangs because we see that, you know, because L.A. is so dangerous, everyone's yeah. just a little bit nuts and armed.
0: I mean, it, he must... The, the way they could really have explained it a bit before is just to have the Predator just observing people going in and out of subways and going, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. I wonder what would happen if I just sort of jumped in there. But the issue is that the predator doesn't feel like he's in danger at all. I and mean, it's he's just sort of marching around, going, "I kill you, I kill you,
1: I yeah, kill
2: the, you." The only the only thing I can think of is that he's actually following the two coppers in there and he's hunting them. And maybe it's just the fact it's a case of there's innocent bystanders. That's why it happens. But yeah, that scene, while looking cool in certain respects, it does feel very shoehorned in. Mm. It's kind of nasty as
0: well. It's like Jesus, man, you didn't have to do that.
2: <laughs> it's it's nasty, but it's not mean spirited. We will get to mean spirited when we do AVP two.
0: Yeah. Oh. And I lose my rag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to be with you with the rag losing at that point. Right. In both the original Predator and Predators, the lion in the jungle, Dutch and Royce, and the hunter develop something of an estimation for one another, and on some level, a grudging respect. (laughs) Harrigan never seems to get that, actively calling the Predator Pussyface. In fact, Harrigan is one of my biggest problems with this film. Unremittingly grim and cantankerous, without being likable, funny, professional, or particularly physically impressive, we know nothing. Thing about this character from beginning to end yet there's no mystery either i see a toss-up between a much strained wife which would have been interesting and at least given him a second dimension or like detective somerset in seven an empty apartment to take nightly shelter from a cruel and heartless city which would also have given us some key character depth i think the only thing you really get out of uh, harrigan is his feelings for danny danny boy
2: i've just seen harrigan as a burnt out cop he's just burnt out by the environment it's worn him down to that point where he's he is that he is he, nothing more than just a shell of a man because of the world that he inhabits and the people that he deals it deals with on the daily basis
0: i think all it would have taken would be one scene where he sits down with jerry after he's you know sort of a to mirror that first scene where he sits down with him and goes welcome to the slaughterhouse kid or whatever he says he's basically look this job is shit who the hell transfers to come here you you know i don't want any heroes on my force you are going to get shot at i um,
2: have a, i have a bit of trivia for you that links this movie to predators uh go so you know that lawrence fishburne is in predators uh yep noland that character was originally meant to be hannigan oh
0: actually that character was originally meant to be dutch but I'll get to that in a bit. Well, I heard it was meant to be Hannigan, so... I think they probably went, let's see if we can get Schwarzenegger. No, see if we can get Glover. No. Fishburn. <laughs> How did <laughs> you get to
2: Fishburn? Yeah, that does make sense, although um, he is really good. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, no, just, just one scene where he sits down with Jerry in a bar and goes, look, when I started this, I actually thought I was going to make a difference. And just to give you something... But, um I think you know I don't know maybe it seems almost like there was a scene that should have been him there with him and Danny talking about the how perfect city's
1: opportunity. Yeah. Cause there was oh a bit yeah. where they sat down in a bar mm. and uh, Hannigan you know showed a you know, grudging respect for for Jerry's skills. Mm. that would have been the perfect moment to do it. yep, and also the graveyard
0: scene would, would again been a really good moment for him to sort of you know open up a little bit to Danny, mm. but all it seems to be a sort of a mirroring of that uh, Mac to Blaine scene in Predator. Mm. and then it sort of ended because the predator's spy on him, which is a violation. Very true that in the first and third films you don't get much backstory for the lions in the jungle either, but you at least understand their motivation. The music absolutely sounds like Predator, but Silvestri arranged it while he was in the middle of scoring Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3, so that he must have been rather busy. I say arranged because this is nearly identical to the score for the original film. There's less of the quiet, creeping music because there's less of the tension and waiting in the film. And there are occasional tribal overtones which sell 1997 LA as a concrete jungle. But the basic framework of the tracks are exactly the same. Would have been nice if there'd just been a bit more of an urban hip hop or Latino beat to a few of the musical themes, just to give it some personality. Uh, in the end, it comes off as being a bit half-assed. If you've got the uh, soundtrack to Predator 1, just reorganize it, and you pretty much got the soundtrack to Predator 2. Yeah. And some might even argue, Predators.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Ultimately, Predator 2 is not a terrible film. It's just crude and nasty at times. Though we do learn a few interesting things along the way. One... There's more than one of these guys, and they each look and behave differently. Some are more honourable than others. Two, they have many more weapons than the plasma cannon and the wrist blades. Three, they can see across more spectra than heat vision. Four, they will not kill pregnant women or children. Five, they can be rather cowardly when things don't go their way. Six, they've been visiting us to hunt for a long time. Seven, when you can earn the respect of the tribe, they will spare your life, even though your continued existence would leave vital evidence of theirs unaccounted for. And eight they have hunted the Xenomorphs.
2: Which is not which is just something you see it's never even mentioned and it I think it may have even just been put in there as just of a you know just one of those things that the prop guys do. Hmm. Well,
0: they they put it centre stage. It's only for a few seconds, but it's like, hey, 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 folks. Ultimately, it would appear that this creature is a bit of a loose cannon and a bit sloppy, taking too many risks and appearing at times blood drunk. His more hands-on approach to weaponry suggests that he's a little older and more experienced than the first creature, but still hasn't learned the self-control of age that future screen representations, and indeed the rest of his tribe here, display. He seems to have less to prove than the first one, but also seems like a bit of an arsehole, and most likely something of a bully among his peers. Hey, dude, I killed 52 humans today on a train. What'd you do? Net result, he gets what's coming to him. He gets shot, gets his arm cut off, and then he gets a throwing disc in the chest. He leaves behind him a stack of corpses, an embarrassed tribe, and one hardened, miserable cop with a flintlock pistol who clearly, at a later date, got picked up by the Utani Corporation for questioning regarding the creatures.
2: Maybe. Maybe. I I refuse to see those other movies as part of this franchise. (laughs) It, it, and I, I don't hate the first one. I don't
0: actually. I, I don't hate the first one either. I think Paul and I have, have uh, clashed on this because Paul hated the first one, but found the second one somewhat amusing.
2: The second one, no, saving it, saving yeah, it, saving it. Save it. <laughs> uh, but like, look, the point is that while the first movie is in the hands of a very good director, and we like we said, it's very well paced. It's the setup all pays off. This is not the best times it could have been, but by no stretch of the imagination, is it a bad movie, but everyone seems to hate on it, probably because of the fact, you know, there isn't an Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, the, you know, and it's a very different style of movie. Now, I wonder if there'd been as much hate on it if it had been Schwarzenegger in the lead, and st- but still pretty much the same as what we have here.
0: Hmm. Probably not. I think people would have just, you know, loved it. in all seriousness, I think Arnie might have made it a little bit more fun, because... It seems, at times, it seems that, well, it doesn't seem like Danny Glover's having any fun at all. I... I mean, Predator 1 isn't exactly fun. Is
2: no, it? again, like, it, it, it is what people were used to. We had Dutch, we had got used to this character, and when we we think sequel, we thought we were going to see more adventures of Dutch facing down another one of these. Whereas, really, it's a sequel in the sense that it's the mon- the creature gets the sequel, not the hero.
0: Yeah, no sequel for you...